Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 965, the Joe Cunningham Show, back again today. And what a day it's been so far. A lot, of, a lot more talk on Ukraine-Russia. Putin was always going to have designs on Ukraine. He's had it for a while. This isn't something that's happened within the last year under Joe Biden. It's not something that is new and or something that has happened since, or, you know, didn't start when Trump was in office. It didn't even start when, uh, when Obama was in office and Russia took a part of Crimea. This has been part of Putin's plan for a very, very long time. And for people who are out there on the left and the right who want to reduce this to a purely partisan thing, an American partisan thing, those people are not serious. The right is pretty much unified at this point in terms of wanting to see the U.S. step up sanctions and step up the ways we can help Ukraine. The right is not looking for, there's no serious person on the right who wants to put boots on the ground in Ukraine and help out that way. Everyone in America, left, right, and center, is tired of war, tired of American troops being involved in events. But there are things that we can do that the right wants to see. We want to see more economic sanctions. We would love to see more arms shipments to Ukraine to help arm the Ukrainians against the Russian threat. As it stands now, Ukraine's, uh, Ukraine's leader has opened up literally the country's armories to citizens so that they can fight back. That's how serious it is in Ukraine right now. The entire world is looking at what's going on because they are worried about Europe. They're worried about Russia. And they are worried about the balance of power. Right now in the world, there are, it's basically a tripolar world. There's the U.S. and its sphere of influence. There's Russia and its sphere of influence. And there's China and its sphere of influence. Russia's sphere of influence has been on the decline for a while. Their economy, I think, took a big hit with this war being launched overnight. But it looks like China is opening up trade to Russian wheat, something that they haven't done since the 90s over health concerns. It looks like China will err on the side of Russia in this. And that's a problem for the UN because the UN Security Council, which discusses these sorts of things, has given veto power to Russia and to China. So it doesn't matter if there's a majority vote. If Russia and China on the Security Council say no to a proposal, either or, then it's done. That's it. There's no, there, there's, there's nothing there. So the entire world is watching what's going on in Russia right now. And while this is not something that is directly related to partisan politics in the United States, the political structure of the U.S. being the cause of this. It did play a role. So we're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that role and more. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation here on The Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5. 
and be careful with uh, some traffic situations out there. Hopefully you guys won't get stuck in a whole lot of traffic today because all the traffic will be here tomorrow when Kamala Harris comes to town, apparently to talk about uh, infrastructure and in particular uh, high-speed internet, it sounds like. Back to Ukraine. Like I said in the first segment, the Ukrainian situation is not about partisan politics. There's no direct, we did this, so Russia did that. Russia always wanted to do it. Vladimir Putin always has wanted to invade Ukraine. It's been part of his plan to increase Russia's sphere of influence. However, we do have to point out that certain government actions made Putin more comfortable to go ahead with this plan rather than to wait. The U.S. has been destabilized to an extent. And yes, Russia was involved. Russia did focus a lot of energy on trying to sow chaos in the 2016 election. Now, I'm not saying that Russia is the reason that Trump won in 2016. I, I don't think that's the case at all. We actually have reports of Russia using social media to influence both Trump, both Trump and Clinton supporters to be even more rabid about their preferred candidate. Russia just wants to sow chaos in the West while stabilizing itself in the East. The problem is the very same people who have spent the last five years telling us that Russia, that Russia was involved in getting Trump elected are the people who also told us that Joe Biden would hold Vladimir Putin to task if he did anything egregious. Joe Biden himself during the election said he's the only guy in the race who's willing to go toe-to-toe with Putin. And today's speech that he gave really shows he's not ready to do that yet. He's not ready to use all the tools at the U.S.'s and the world's disposal. You can kick Russia off the global finance system, the SWIFT system. Italy and Germany are very much not in favor of that. You can go after Russia's energy production via hacking and via economic sanctions. But right now, Europe, several European countries, are poised to buy even more energy from Russia over the next couple of days. Europe has made itself too dependent on Russian energy. If you recall the Crimea situation back in 2014... The U.S. was getting a lot of its energy from Russia as well. And when Putin went after Crimea, the U.S. worked together with Saudi Arabia and the Saudis increased their output and sold to the U.S. and elsewhere so that Russia was not benefiting financially. And it's one of the things that actually caused Russia to make some concessions, even though they were able to maintain a presence in Crimea. You can hurt Russia by going after its energy produ- production and sales. 
But the left right now, and is this, I'm not trying to make this just a partisan thing, but the left is currently out there trying to make the case that the reason Putin is emboldened to invade Russia is because of Donald Trump. Despite the fact that Trump is not in office and that Putin did not invade Ukraine while Trump was in office, but before he was in office and after he was in office. I mentioned the other day, Matthew Dowd, if you are blaming Biden today for what Putin is doing in Ukraine, please take down the American flag from your home or social media account and replace it with the Russian flag. It will help us all know where you clearly stand. Then you have a journalist, Garrett Graff, today. One thing worth keeping in mind today. There's a straight line from Russia's attack on the U.S. election in 2016 to January 6th to today's new invasion of Ukraine. The chaos that Russia unleashed in the election of Trump weakened us to the point Putin feels confident in invading Europe. Not to be left out of the partisan hackery was John Harwood, who's at CNN now, but is very clearly a partisan. He's not an objective journalist. Another way of stating Garrett's point, Harwood says, The Russian thug now attacking Ukraine helped Donald Trump become president because he thought that would someday make this kind of attack easier to pull off. He was right in the short term, longer term TBD. What those two comments are saying, apparently, by flirting with the idea that Putin got Trump elected, is that Trump destabilized the system so much the U.S. had no choice but to elect somebody who would be weak against Putin. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Trump so destabilized the country that we turned to Joe Biden and that would solve all of Putin's problems. Putin's designs on Ukraine have been forming for a decade or more. But it's not the fact that our system was destabilized by Trump. Trump was not as lax on Russia as the media and the left want you to think. I personally think Trump himself was acting a little bit too friendly with Trump, with with Putin. Trump was acting too friendly with Putin during his time in office. But Trump's administration actually did put more sanctions on Russia, particularly on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which sends Russian oil, Russian energy to Germany. He kept sanctions in place and actually enacted more. For, mo- for the most part, things were unchanged. Putin's designs on Ukraine were stalled because you had somebody like Trump in power, somebody who was um, erratic, unpredictable. You could not predict from one day to the next what Trump's policy was actually going to be on something like Russia. Trump went one, he, he went back and forth on so many things. Now, I'm not saying that he was flip-flopping. I'm just saying that Trump's attention span on issues was short. He would go from one thing to the next very quickly. And when you have somebody like that in power in the U.S., somebody who's not willing to show U.S. force, like when he dropped the mother of all bombs in Syria, like when he had a Syri- uh, a, uh, an Iranian general assassinated, You don't mess with that kind of unpredictability. But what you do mess with 
what you do feel fine provoking is a United States that bungled its withdrawal from Afghanistan. Afghanistan fell to the Taliban in days. The withdrawal was so embarrassing that Joe Biden's support has not recovered. It's been all downhill ever since. The left does not want you to think that this is Joe Biden's fault. And as I said at the beginning, what's happening in Ukraine is not solely Joe Biden's fault. But Putin feels completely calm. He has no fear of the United States and what they might do in retaliation because the Biden administration proved it cannot handle a military or foreign policy crisis. And that is why we are where we are, part of why we are where we are right now. 232-1542 if you want to take part in the conversation. When we come back, a little bit more on Ukraine, what's going on around the world, and some stuff happening here in the U.S. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. You can also find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And you can email me, Joe at RedState.com. If you'd like to uh, just reach out privately and discuss some of the issues there. We've got a couple callers on the line. First up is David. David, how are you today? All right. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You want to talk about Ukraine? Yeah. Everything you said is true, but there's a couple other things that you need to consider. First of all, we can't do a damn thing over there. And the reason for that is we are so far in debt, we can't afford to do anything. Yep, you're you're right. There we we can't afford to do anything there and that's part of the US's problem is we have actually through our own fault yeah. become destabilized economically and even militarily. We're not a very serious people right now. You know that that reminds me one of the things that one of the reasons we can't afford to get involved is we have focused can't afford to get involved. Yeah, we can't afford to get involved, but <laughs> But we've we've also taken our focus away from the things that would keep us involved. Now, militarily, we could still go over there and fight. Can we afford it? No. But militarily, we can still go over there and actually fight. And our, our military would, would be proven once again to be fantastic in battle. But And then that leads me to my second point. Go ahead. The, the, the problem is that our priorities in the chain of command all the way up to the executive, the, the chief executive's office have been so screwed up. You know, you had uh, an, an interview. John Kerry doing an interview with a with some news organization actually said that he hopes that Putin takes into consideration um, the the effect that a, a massive war could have on climate. That's the people leading us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the the other thing is, at one time, not too long ago, we were energy independent, mm -hmm. and every jet. And every helicopter and many of the uh, many of the ships and stuff that are going to transport things are all reliable, relying on petroleum as fuel. Mm -hmm. And so now, since we're not energy independent, we've got to rely on others to supply us the fuel to go fight a war that they may not want to support. Yeah, that's that's and so. Uh, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, when it comes to something like that, we, if we even if we wanted to do something, 
which I think some people may want to go ahead and do, mm-hmm. we can't. Yeah. Because <laughs> we literally cannot afford to do it. Absolutely. Uh, David, thank you very much for the call. Uh, anybody right. else who wants to call in, 232-1542, be glad to have you uh, join in on the show. The United States, like I, like I was mentioning just a second ago, the United States, policy-wise, is led by unserious people. John Kerry's concern is the, the war's effect on climate change and, and, and the world's fight against climate change. That's what he's worried about right now. Under Barack Obama, the United States got rid of what's called the two-war doctrine. Um, the United States military is basically... Uh, sustain this doctrine since World War II, and it states that we must have the defensive capabilities to fight two wars on two fronts at the same time. The, the defense capabilities of the U.S. are now incapable of that because the Obama administration uh, downsized the military. And it was an effort, they said, to uh, save costs and reduce the military's carbon footprint. That's the type of people who have put us, foreign policy and militarily-wise, where we are at this time. It's nuts for anybody to think that the United States can continue to be a dominant power if that's what we want to Want, want to try to do. But that's the thing with the Democrats. The Democrats want us to be a world leader on things like climate change, but don't want us to be a world leader in the things that matter, power and control. And I'm not saying we need to control the world, but being able to be a force that can put a stop to the things that are going on that are unjust in the world, like Russia violating international agreements and invading another sovereign country, the U.S. can't be a leader on that when the U.S.'s leaders have all thought are the biggest threat to the world right now is not Russia trying to expand its borders, but climate change. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation, we've got another caller on the line. Caller, how are you? Climate change. Mm-hmm. 232-1542. Uh, caller, I'm going to need you to turn your radio down because uh, there is an echo there. Right. Hello, are, are you talking to me? Yes. Uh, hold on a second. Okay, but you got me now? Yes. No, I, I'm, the, the, the point I want to make is these sanctions that will limit the oil by, by closing down the, the Nord Stream 2 mm-hmm. it are going to freeze Germany, England, all the Western, the Western European countries, and we are going to be blamed for it. The mm-hmm. problem is this. It's exactly the wrong sanction, but we, we are stuck. Biden's put us in a complete vice. We're either going to lose stature in Western Europe by shutting down all of the all of the oil to Western Europe. We have no – five years ago, three years ago, we could have replaced it with our own excess production. Mm-hmm. Right now we can't. So all we can do right now is become a uh, uh, the bad guy. We were going to come to people. Russian exports to them. Mm-hmm. We have the only way we can possibly survive this with any kind of stature as a world power is to immediately develop, redevelop our own energy resources, start exporting to Western Europe, 
show them that we can we can save them from an energy shortage, which would freeze them out for the remainder of this winter, and um, and that that we could we could safely cut off the, the oil coming from Russia. But we can't do we're not able to do that because we don't have the foresight or the will to do it. We, we're we too really worried don't. about you know which bathroom to use and whether or not we're going to have smog in the in the the twenty third century. Exactly. So, um, that, that, that's my, my, situa- my, my comment is this. We are damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. We can't, we can't stop the oil without arousing the complete ire and disrespect from Western Europe. And we can't, uh, we can't not stop it because we've got to stop to figure yeah. that one out. Exactly. Caller, thank you very much. Uh, next caller, just before the break, uh, Mike. Mike, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing fine. And listen, you know, you know, and I know that this climate change, Russia and climate, Russia and China will never play the game. So no matter what we do, it's really not going to affect the world. Uh, and the way they have opened our borders and, you know, what the way they've destroyed our economy, I, I ask you, we know they're not stupid people. So do you think they're just evil and trying to destroy this country? Because they're not dumb. What, what's your opinion on that? When you say they, you're talking about... I'm talking about Democrats. I'm talking about half of the population so, of this country. Uh, you know, I destroy, I think, is probably a bit too far. But they, the, the, the Democrats' goal has very seriously been to force the United States to step away from being essentially world police. And they've, they've wanted to reduce the influence of the United States while also trying to achieve, frankly, unrealistic goals of the, you know, eliminating climate change, opening up borders, things like that. It's, it's all about what has traditionally made the U.S. strong, taking that away. And the other part of that is that the Green Movement, I, one of my friends describes it perfectly. The green movement is really the watermelon movement because they're green on the outside, outside but they're deep red on the inside. I the, agree. The green movement, the environmental movement, is very much led by a lot of socialists and communists who saw that as a way to, to hurt U.S. Western capitalism by going after energy production and by going after uh, the industrial world. And that has... Their, their movement gaining ground and, and becoming a dominant part of U.S. policy has been something that has, yes, very severely weakened us. Which, which brings me back to the question again, because we know everywhere communism thrives, whether it be Russia or China or, or Cuba, we know what ha- the evils thereof. So once again, they're not stupid people. Do they just, do they, do, is that what they want? They want the evils of communism? I just don't know what motivates these people. The, they, it, it's all a matter of what they think is justice, and justice for them is what communism has promoted, not what it has actually resulted in. Mike, unfortunately, we got to take the break. Thank you very much for the call. 232-1542. Anybody else wants to join in the conversation when we come back? More of your calls and what's more of what's going on in Ukraine here on the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. I mentioned this earlier. Germany is very hesitant 
to put energy sanctions and financial sanctions on Russia. Here's why. 50% of Germany's coal comes from Russia. 55% of their natural gas comes from Russia. 35% of their oil comes from Russia. And here's this. European utilities are set tomorrow to buy more Russian natural gas via Ukrainian pipelines. I will repeat that because it is something that you may have thought you misheard. Europe will buy more natural gas from Russia via Ukraine tomorrow. Europe has made itself far too dependent on Russia. And that's one of the things that Trump was really trying to push when he was saying a lot of what he was saying about NATO, that NATO was too reliant on us, it's too reliant on others, and it needed to step up. Yes, most of it was about funding and military and all of this, but Trump's push was largely about independence, not just for the U.S., but for several other nations. He wanted the U.S. to be more independent, which is not necessarily great, but he wanted NATO to be more independent. And if NATO were more independent, it would be able to protect itself a bit more without needing the U.S. as much. But as, as our callers have mentioned over the last segment, we're not in a position to really, really be able to do anything beyond sanctions. And it's not a good situation right now. We can put energy sanctions on Russia, but that would affect our allies in Europe who rely, unfortunately, on Russian energy. Now, again, earlier I mentioned when Russia went after Crimea, what we did was work with the Saudis to get more oil produced there and get that to replace the oil that Russia was providing. You could do that again. Except that Biden and his administration shut down drilling in the U.S., made America substantially less energy independent, and then went after producers, and then had the gall to ask the Saudis to increase their output. And OPEC, all of them, all the OPEC nations laughed. They laughed in our face. Because they saw how erratic and they saw how dumb Biden's energy policy was. Biden could immediately put a stop to the high oil prices that we're already seeing simply by going back and approving the Keystone Pipeline and allowing that work to get started immediately. He can remove leases. I mean, he can go back and start allowing leases. And that alone would start helping. It wouldn't be immediate impact, but it would make us substantially better off if this conflict were to escalate or continue long term. But Biden has stood in the way of American energy independence, all in the name of climate change, a deeply unserious proposal. Russia doesn't care 
about climate change. Russia is not changing any of its habits due to climate change. China is not changing any of its habits due to climate change. None of it is going to make a difference. None of what the world says is going to make a difference about what China and what Russia do. But those are the only two other world powers, aside from the U.S., that are pushing their spheres of influence to rival us. Everybody in the world at this point is essentially picking a side. And right now, there is very little reason for a country to choose the U.S.'s side. There's not. The U.S. is not serious. And in the midst of all of this going on, Kamala Harris is coming to Lafayette to talk about high-speed internet, to promote infrastructure, to remind us how important it is to get our, legisl- our, our congressmen to support Build Back Better. All because... She can't be trusted on these world issues. And Biden is not doing very well. So in 2024, after things have collapsed even further, who's going to replace Biden if he doesn't run? Because right now he does not sound well in his speeches. What is Biden going to do? How's, who's going to replace him? Kamala Harris, who spent a major foreign conflict traveling around promoting high-speed internet? Highly doubtful. Thank you guys very much for listening to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Remember, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And you can also listen to any part of the show you missed or any previous episodes by going to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so we can make sure to get it out in front of as many people as possible. Thank you guys, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.